want Bearcats. I, I love the Bearcats. I like Luke Fickle. He brings the table. I like Bearcats. Lock in mid post. Great spin move. Reverse layup. Oh, oh. And it's good for Victor Lockett. What a move. Looked like Bill Walton out there. On back to throw. Looking. Scrambling. Passes. Intercepted at the goal line. The Bearcats have the football. Sauce Gardner picking off the pass as Cincinnati denies Notre Dame in the red zone. Diving on the floor to grab it is Oguama. Bounces it for Lockett. Fires ahead to Adams Woods. To Julius for three. Good! Cincinnati has scored 17 straight. Double tight ends in for Cincinnati. Ritter will hand it off. Jerome Ford bouncing it to the left. There he goes. To the 30. Pulling away like Secretariat at the Belmont. Touchdown. Bearcats as Jerome Ford takes it to the house to give Cincinnati a three-score lead. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Go Bearcats podcast. I am your host, Brandon. And right from the jump here, we are joined once again by the Hall of Famer himself, Jim Kelly Jr. Jim, welcome back to the show. Well, thanks for having me, Brandon. Happy to be here. I, I always love talking to you. Uh, one, your your depth of knowledge around the program, uh, and especially more than anything, your energy and your passion that you have for it certainly comes out every time I hear you talk about it as well. Uh, I know that's something our, our listeners can, can feed off of, and I'm sure it's a big reason why you are such a beloved figure around Cincinnati still. So I'm glad that we can find time. It's been about a year since I talked to you last. Uh, I'm glad we, we were able to work this out and get you back on this evening. Well, appreciate you having me. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I like to think that I'm, uh, you know, the passion in the program. Um, and I, I don't want to say a cheerleader, but certainly I, I, you know, I want the best for the Bearcats and we've all had a lot to, you know, be happy about the last couple of years. This, you know, this past season, the season of 22, the fall of 22, maybe not what everybody wanted. Um, but honestly, you know, I, I think it came out the way that everybody expected it. The Bearcats were going to be a little bit down. Um, and mm-hmm. you would have loved to have seen them beat Tulane and get into the conference championship game. But honestly, they weren't, they weren't as good as Tulane this year. So I think it finished up the way that we all thought it might. And uh, but at the same time, the future's bright. Obviously, some changes with a new coach, a new staff, um, the transfer portal, um, which we can get into a little later, is is crazy as far as you know, kind of knowing your team, so to speak. Uh, but all, all is good. All is good in Bearcat land. And last but not least, the biggest thing is, and I guess officially in a couple months here, we'll we'll be part of the Big Twelve. I think what uh, two months from today. It, yeah, I think it is. You're absolutely right. Yep. Yeah, not that I'm counting or anything. <laughs> no, no, nah, but uh, that's an exciting thing when you look at the schedule and you realize that you're playing in the Big Twelve, and you know you have people like uh, Oklahoma and Baylor coming in here to town. Uh, not to mention people that we've seen before in West Virginia and UCF, but uh, you know some of the newer ones, and then on the road at uh, at uh, Oklahoma State. You know, I, I think I think that's an exciting thing as well. So great future ahead. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, Jim, now, before we get too far into every into everything I want to talk about, you know, we'll talk about the, the draft that just took place this weekend, as well as get into some of the happenings around the team now, as, as you mentioned. Before we get into all of that, uh, one, this is really the first time we've tried video with the podcast as uh 
myself and uh, podcasts, uh, Viva La Cats and Cincy Slangin are kind of teaming up and putting on this this new sort of fan interaction website social media thing with the Cats Keller Social Club. Uh, they get, those guys have been encouraging me. I'm the last holdout from doing video. So if everything goes according to plan, this will be a, the first episode available on, on YouTube. So fingers crossed that that works out. It's uh, the first time. I don't know. We'll see if, if, if you see my cat dive bomb <laughs> off of the shelf behind me or something, just roll with it. We'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, so, so there's that for us. And then of course, if you're a listener to the show, you know, before we dive too far into everything, it is time for a beer. So this is the first look at the can here uh first look usually this is all all audio right so this is from 18th street brewery out of hammond indiana i have not visited this place before although i've had a handful of their beer it's a hazy ipa 5.5 percent so not too crazy here for it for a monday evening uh and this is what i'll be sipping on throughout the show which people will actually get to see if everything goes according to plan so Cheers, Jim. Uh, I'll ask before I before I sip. Are, are you drinking anything? Well, while I had, you... had some pasta tonight, and I've got a little bit of white wine left here. So uh, I'm normally a beer guy, you know that, but uh, not tonight. Yes. A little bit of wine, so a little different. Very nice. Very nice. That's nice. That's crisp, Good. hoppy, but light as well. So you could. At five point five, you could probably have a couple of yeah. those and, and be just. Fine. Yeah, that's not that's not over the top. That won't uh, that won't put you under quickly. That's good. <laughs> Absolutely, Jim. Let's let's get into it. Like I said last time, you and I talked. We recapped nine different Bearcats drafted to the NFL. Of course, Sauce Gardner being sort of the marquee name who uh, could walk the walk and talk the talk, and it turns out. Uh, he could do exactly that as the defensive rookie of the year uh, for the Jets. This year, our list isn't quite as extensive with just three guys going, uh, being officially drafted. And I'll kind of let you kind of pick where we where we kick things off. If, if you want to, which guy you want to talk about yeah. or, or which guy you think uh, got the best fit or, or how you think they'll do in, in the NFL, I'll let you kick it off and pick who we start. Sure. Well, I mean, I think um... – if you look, go back to kind of piggybacking on what you said, Brandon, in reference to the nine guys last year, I don't think anybody expected that this year. Um, if you looked on paper, there was expect expectations that maybe six of them would go. And honestly, I thought that was high. Um, the three guys that did go, I pretty much thought those guys would go. It was hard to, to kind of figure out exactly where they would go. Quite honestly, Tyler Scott was probably getting – the highest grades, at least towards the end of, uh, as we got closer to the draft. And for whatever reason, that didn't happen. Um, and the one that I, I really thought would get drafted, and I was really thought that he deserved it, was Ivan Pace. Um, only because, you know, sure, there, people, when, when he left high school and came to college, people questioned his height. When he was leaving college and going to the NFL, people were questioning his height. But, you know, uh, defensive player of the year in the MAC, then what he did this year, the last this last year at Cincinnati, um, I mean, absolutely phenomenal. I thought people would take a shot at him, and and obviously Minnesota did as a free agent, but I thought he would get drafted. But let's go back to your point, and we'll start with the draft picks. 
Um, not surprised Trey Tucker went in the third round. Um, he is just a gifted uh, receiver in reference to running routes, catching the football. But where I think probably the Raiders, who picked him in the third round, um, want to utilize him as well as at the receiving side is in the, uh, the return game. Um, and the reason I say that, he, he, he's obviously been a great kickoff returner in his career at Cincinnati. I think, what, two for touchdown, maybe three. Um, but this past year when Ryan Montgomery got dinged up as a punt returner, Trey Tucker stepped in with no practice and did a phenomenal job. So I think the upside in reference to his return game is really there. Obviously, his 4-3-8, or depending on what he ran in the combine, he's definitely sub-4-4. Um, that helps. He's not a big guy, so I think that hurt him a little bit. Probably hurt Tyler as well. Um, but that being said, and, and if you've ever had a chance to sit down and talk to Trey Tucker, um, that is probably something that you know pushed him up in the draft as well. Just a wonderful young man, um, smart guy, got it all together, and is going to be a success if he doesn't make it in the NFL, which I, I think he will. You know, obviously, the NFL uh, tenure is somewhere in the neighborhood of four to five years. Hopefully he makes it a lot longer than that. But whatever he ends up doing after football, he's going to be a great, he's going to be great at it. He's just a great kid, um, and I think the Raiders did a good job of picking him. In Tyler's case, he probably runs a little bit better route than, uh, uh, than Trey. Um, he's a little bit taller, probably on that six, right at that six-foot range. They might have him listed at 6'1", but not much over six foot. But uh, he's very fluid in his speed, and then what he's able to do after the catch. And I think, and, and I'm going back on this, and uh, this is something Dan Horde and I talked on the broadcast a whole lot about. I think his last 11 touchdowns were over 20 yards. He did not have a touchdown wow. catch under 20 yards his last 11. Um, so he's with the Bears. He went in the fourth round, for those that uh, didn't follow it. He went in the fourth round to the Bears, and um, I think he's going to be very successful there as well. Obviously, he can take the, you know, to use an old-school term, take the top off the defense his, with his speed. Uh, but he can also uh, he can break it off and cut it back underneath, catch the football, and what he does really, really well is run with it, um, you know, after he makes the catch. And then uh, in the fifth round, Josh Wiley taken by the Tennessee Titans. Um, I, I think that's fabulous because I honestly think, and I'm not sure I'm going to say Luke Fickle's offense, but you might say Gino Gadulli's offense or, you know, um, you know whatever, the, the Bearcat offense. I think the tight ends were underused. And Josh Wiley's upside is very, very big. And I think uh, the Titans look at him at 6'6", 245. And, 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 and honestly, I'm sure there was some communication there with Coach Fickle um, in reference to such a tight organization with Coach Fickle that probably said, you know, what do you think of Josh Wiley? And, you know, I honestly could see Luke saying the same thing I just said. We underutilized him. Um, so really good to hear that. And the one thing, I, if I look at those three guys, and I, and I go back to your point of the nine guys last year, and one of those guys um, was Alec Pierce. Okay, so I throw him into this mix. You got, you got four receivers uh, that went, you know, three this year, one last year. And if you go back three years ago, maybe four years ago, that wide receiver room, and, and throw the tight ends in there, make those, those combined rooms 
Um, now, you did have Josiah DeGuara, who was leaving for the NFL. But if you looked at those young tight ends, Lenny Taylor and Josh Wiley, and you looked at those wideouts, that room was the weakest spot on the team. And then to have three guys, three guys this year, one guy last year come out of there and get drafted, how about that? That's phenomenal. That's a good point. That that is a really good point, and uh, that's I mean that's kind of like a, a major weakness that the the team has right now is the wide receiver room. We'll get into that yep. a little that, later. But that goes that, back to that point a, about the transfer portal. I mean, obviously yeah, they yeah. lost everybody, um, and now they've they've done a good job of replenishing it. And like you said, we'll get into that in a little bit. But um, I all in all, I, I think thing. for those three guys. Very, very good. Um, you know, the fact that Ivan Pace didn't get drafted, I think that hurts him a little bit just from a monetary standpoint. I think he's the kind of guy yeah. that when we're watching the Vikings next year, we're going to see him playing. Um, but um, it's a shame that he didn't get drafted. Now, Jim, to circle back to your point about uh, Josh Wiley being underutilized in the offense, which I, I think I would 100% agree with you, It. If I'm not mistaken, and correct me if I'm wrong, even though he was underutilized, I believe he still set the UC record for most touchdowns by a tight end. That, which... That's correct. That's correct. He, um, he did. And, you know, the good part is he had a long career, um, you know, in, mm-hmm. you know, the COVID year in there, although, you know, it was a short year. So that helped him a little bit. And um, I will say – um, we Dan made this point on um, forget what game it was. It wasn't the Tulane game game before that Josh Wiley with a catch surpassed me to jump into whatever spot in career yardage, and I couldn't have been happier about that. You know, number one, uh, he's he's a great kid. He's a LaSalle kid. You know, I'm a Moeller guy, so we're GCL brothers, um, and and you just wanted the best for for Josh. But he did. He, he, he absolutely became the uh, all-time leading touchdown reception leader for a tight end in Bearcat history. And, yeah, I mean, you're right. You could make the point, well, he wasn't underutilized if he caught whatever touch. I don't have the number in front of me. But at the same time, um, I really think there could have been a lot more there. Um, but there was a for lot sure. of weapons that, you know, Desmond Ritter and last year Ben Bryant had to throw to and – um, you know, they, they, they moved the football last year, even though you would have liked to have seen the tight ends catch a little more, catch a few more passes. Yeah, and then, uh, like you said, I mean, we in the last two years, four wide receivers drafted. That I mean, that kind of just plays into the fact of how many weapons Dez and then, and then Ben Bryant had at their disposal, which may, might, you could argue, played into the success of, of the program as well. Uh, I want to ask you because the three guys that were drafted went into three sort of very different and very unique uh, situations with quarterback. So Trey Tucker, uh, like you said, probably be playing on special teams as a returner uh, and then maybe get slotted in at times as a slot receiver. I think that would probably fit his his style. That's where I would see Uh, him fitting in, yes. So if I'm not mistaken, I know there's there's been a, a decent amount of quarterback movement in the NFL this year, but I believe uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is, will be the quarterback for the Raiders, um, which you know, I think he's you know, more than serviceable as quarterback. He can certainly sling the football around. Tyler Scott at Chicago with Justin Fields. That's a unique situation. And then Josh Wiley, 
who knows what, what the Titans are doing, really. I think Tannehill is still there. Malik Willis, who they took last year, I, I believe, if, if I'm remembering correctly. And then now they, they just took uh, highly publicized Will Levis in, in the second round. Uh, so that situation is a little unique, I guess. So, so who do you think went into like the best situation as far as who will be throwing the football around to him? Right. Well, I, I mean, if you look at the, the quarterbacks that you just mentioned, and I thought the Tennessee situation was the most unique. And I read a couple of articles this week where, yes, you are, you know, they, their starter is there. Um, and Malik Willis was the guy that, um, he was the heir apparent, and what I read this week was with Levis that they've pretty much given up on uh, on on uh, on Willis. So, you know, at least that's what it's sounding like. Now, again, you got a guy with second year; he may come out and be you know all pro this year. You don't know that. Uh, but Tannehill, um, I think, is the starter, and you've got a steady guy there. I think that's good for Wiley. He's gonna he he's such a unique guy because. You know, he's a tight, he'd be classified as a tight end, but he's 6'6", 235. He's, I won't say skinny, but he's thin, and he's that kind of that hybrid spot where he can play in the slot and be that big slot guy, you know, coming across the middle. Now, problem is, can he can you take those safeties pounding on him all the time um, as he comes across in that six foot six frame? But I think he can, and I think either they'll certainly utilize him as we saw the Bearcats do down, particularly at the goal line where he can get up in the air. In Trey Tucker's case with Garoppolo, you've got another guy that's been there, done that. So I think that's a little bit more steady. Um, but also mm-hmm. they picked up Michael Mayer in the second round, the, the uh, tight end from uh, Covington Catholic who went to Notre Dame. So, I mean, they're, they, they're loading up on uh, okay. big time on targets and, if you look at Trey, the, the, the punt return, kick return part of it is one of it. But the other thing that he did so well, he was a gunner on the punt team at, with Cincinnati. And my God, that, that, that kicking team, that punting team uh, that the Bearcats had, they were, they were unbelievably, Kerry Combs coached them, and they were very, very good. In Tyler's case, that's a weird situation up there. I really thought the Bears might make a change, uh, but it appears they're not going to, and... Um, you know, I hope Tyler blocks well because <laughs> Justin <laughs> Field likes to run a lot. So, uh, but yeah. that being said, you know that's one of those things where Tyler's um, Tyler's speed down the straight flat, you know, flat out speed down the field might be a situation where it really comes into play for the Chicago Bears. So, if we switch gears here uh, a little bit, Jim, let's. There was uh, six players. We, you've already kind of mentioned, mentioned Ivan Pace, who who I, I would have, I guess I'm, I guess I could have put money on it um, with sports betting in Ohio. Now right. I didn't. I, I really thought that he would have been drafted for sure. Uh, another guy who I, I was pretty high on who would get drafted is Arquan Bush. Both of those guys did get picked up in, in the uh, the undrafted free agency pool, but we had six guys total out of uh, out of the undrafted to get signed and actually i think i'm out of date because um hicks i believe just i don't know if he got signed but he got invited to a mini yeah, camp yeah those I, guys I got invited to camps Tonsto, yes. cooper um and i th- and i think hicks as well yeah 
So uh, as far as the the guys that did get signed and, and the free agents, uh, Arquan Bush, Ivan Pace, Will Huber went went to the Vikings, Correct. Lenny Taylor to the Jaguars, uh, Lorenz Mintz, Mintz, Metz, excuse me, to the Bears, and then Charles McClellan to to the Titans as well. Uh, I, I know it's pretty hard to, to make a roster from from the undrafted free agency pool, but what kind of chances do you give those guys? Yeah. I mean, so the one, the one that I think is the most intriguing is Lorenz Metz. Um, he, you know, certainly a project as he was at UC, you know, coming over from Germany, not really ever playing football um, and went through a period, not a period, but a, a group of different offensive line coaches um, some who liked him, and I think Coach Fickle liked him. Um, I, I don't think he was particularly uh, tight with Coach Turner this past year. Um, he didn't get a lot of playing time, and I think that hurt him. Um, but you never know. All of a sudden, he gets a hold of the right coach. And, it, and if you, you look at the last maybe eight, ten years in the NFL, they, they drool over guys that are six foot eight, six foot nine. Um, you know, 330 pounds and and the right coach can make him, I honestly, this is no stretch in all pro. Um, now is he at that level right now? No, of course he's not. Um, but he probably is going to get a, a long, long look. Um, he had some injuries. He doesn't have the quickest feet. So there's some things there that can hurt him. And maybe in the NFL, you don't have the time to cultivate those guys all the way from getting the feet. You, you're hoping they come to you with that already down. But certainly he, uh, certainly he has the, the ability to do that. The other one that I like um, that I think has a shot, um, and maybe just as a special teams guy, and he just gives you all the time 100% is Will Huber. Um, you know, he played tight end. He played linebacker. He was on every special team you could possibly imagine. Um, and he, he just is one of those guys that I think might find a spot. It, maybe it's only for two, three years. Um, he, you know, he, he just left UC with his third degree, um, you know, wow. which is, and he has a real estate license. So, you know, he doesn't have a lot to worry about as, as far as life, but um, why not give it a shot? Um, and, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, I, I think Bush has a really, really good chance of maybe – fitting in as a special teams guy. In Taylor's case, he has the body to, to be there. Now, do they keep a third tight end and just keep him around because he's a really good blocker as well? Um, so all those guys, McClellan, you know, got a speed, you know, a little bit of speed. I think the two knee surgeries, you know, hurt him obviously over a period of time. But, um, you know, it, it, in the right situation, in, you know, the right effort, those guys could make it. Last uh, last thing I want to talk to you uh, about the draft and sort of you know a little, a little bit of curveball before we started recording I don't even think I threw this at you here but certainly a ton of people around the city uh, are diving deep into the highlights and the film of all of the the picks that the Bengals made over the weekend uh, any any thoughts on that I know uh, PFF gave them an A for the, for their draft so I'm just kind of wondering where you uh, where your thoughts are for the Bengals. Well- I mean, a couple things I, I see. I did not know the young man from Clemson, the number one draft choice. Didn't I did not know much about him anyway. I mean, I knew who Miles he, Murphy. Yep, yep. I knew who he was. I understand there's a little, uh, little going back and forth now on who's going to keep ninety eight, the number ninety eight. 
Okay. <laughs> Whether Reader's going to keep it or, or he said he would sell it to him for the right amount. So we'll see how that goes. The one intriguing thing I that I like, and I, it's it's funny because I was a certain type of player, right? And when I see other mm-hmm. players that played like me, I really kind of like focus on them and like them. And that's who the Bengals got sure. in the fourth round and Charlie Jones um, from uh, Purdue. Transferred in from, I yeah. believe, Iowa, if I'm not right, if I'm not mistaken. And he gives them a return game as well as, I'm telling you what, you want to talk about a gutsy guy who's going to go after every ball. Now, does he get in there and play the slot and uh, replace Tyler Boyd? I don't know about that. They also got the receiver from uh, Princeton, who I understand. And I, had, I, I can't honestly say I've seen him play, but I understand he's tall and strong. So, I mean, if you look at that, that you're talking about probably one of the top two or three teams in the NFL in, in reference to receivers, and you add those two guys into the mix, um, they're going to be really, really strong. I, I don't think it's good, speaking of uh, Josh Wiley and LaSalle guys before, I don't think it's a good sign for uh, Chrisman that they drafted a punter in the sixth round. I believe it was the sixth round. and That doesn't yep. mean that he's going to be out, but – Anytime you draft somebody, that just means you're looking, you know, this is a spot if we can improve. So, But the Bengals have really been good at just picking the best guy available, and maybe they felt that a little bit of competition at the punting uh, side of things, you know, might be what they need. But I, I think it was a good draft for them. Um, I kind of looked at all those guys, and, you know, then again, when you, you're watching it on TV, all you're seeing is the highlight package. You're seeing every good play. Right. Exactly, <laughs> but I also understand in the uh, the NFC North. If you look at what the Ravens did, you look at what the Browns did, you look at what the Steelers did. Everybody's getting high grades, so um, very yeah. competitive, very competitive division. I think a lot of people are wondering when and who would be the the draft choice because it seemed like it was inevitable for the Bengals to, to draft a, a running back. And I really, really like the guy out of uh, Kansas State, Deuce Vaughn. Yeah. I, I thought you'd get him in like the middle to late rounds. Uh, the, I think the Cowboys ended up taking him, which is a great pickup for them. Uh, and I, I really wanted him to, to, to come to Cincinnati. Uh, but they took this, the guy out of Illinois, Chase Brown, yep. who I, I, ha, I, I haven't looked up uh, or know a whole lot about yet. But hopefully, uh, hopefully he's sort of the future well, at the position. Well, I'm for the it. same as you, Brandon. I did not know the young man. But then – through the draft and then watching a little bit afterwards, um, I found out that he was third-team All-American, um, you know, had his stats are really, really good. And then a little bit about just watching him with his family on the draft, he, he's a young man that you just can't help but like. Um, he, I, you know, okay. I don't know him. I just – everything you see about him looks good. Um, and then when I saw what he was able to do, and, and I know Illinois did not – they were not great this past year. They haven't been great in a long time. Um, but to give him credit, he, he really came up with some fabulous stats. You know who I liked was Spears from Tulane. Now, again, that's because yeah. him being in the American Conference and watching him and watching him beat up on UC for three years, yeah. you would have liked to have seen the Bengals um, take him. I, I think, you know, it, it appears the Bengals are going to stick with Joe Mixon, even though they lost uh, P. Ryan who I thought was really, really good. And the one thing I, and I don't know um, that much about the young man from Illinois as far as his pass catching ability, but the Bear, the uh, Bengals really, really rely on their backs to catch the football. 
Um, when I look at yep. both P. Ryan and Mixon's numbers from last year as receivers out of the backfield, they had over 100 catches between them. So, I mean, it's, you know, Burrow has to check down a lot. And mm-hmm. tight ends, one of those things, not to mention your slot receiver. Obviously, your wideouts can break routes off at all. But being able to throw to your uh, running backs, that's a huge, huge advantage. For sure. Jim, let's switch gears here. I think we covered the draft pretty well. I want to I want to get your thoughts as sort of the last thing that we talk about. Um, I want to get your thoughts on this year's Bearcats football team. I, I'm I'm sure that you had the chance to go to some spring practices uh, and at least the spring game. I was at the spring game, had, had a great time. Uh, and just tell me sort of what stood out to you, what, what some of your observations were in, in you know, getting a, a look at the team. I know it's so hard. Uh, I, I didn't, I, I joked about printing off a roster while, when I went to the spring game because of all the turnover. Uh, and, and even the guys that stayed, it seems like they all changed numbers. So <laughs> I, I know there's a, a lot to keep track of here in, in terms of, of the roster. And, and even the, you know, the coaching staff add that in there. Um, right. Right. I guess, were you able to take anything from it? What, what, what do you have as far as observations? Yeah, that, that's really a tough one. Let's, let's go back to the beginning. Um, coaching change. Um, you know, I, the number one question I get asked, what do you think of the new coach? And sure. it is so hard to answer that question. Um, let's put it this way. Very nice man. Love being around him. I honestly believe the coaching staff that he brought in, and even though, you know, staff number one, three of those guys left, one got an opportunity in the NFL, one got an opportunity to go from a defensive position coach to a coordinator, and the third one uh, was able to upgrade from, I I guess you'd call it an upgrade from Cincinnati, at least it's an upgrade in weather, to to the Miami Hurricanes. Um, So those, you understand that, but then they filled those spots back in. I really like this coaching staff. That crew that came from Louisville, I really like them. I mean, and this defense is going to be really, really good. Now, um, so in, in, like I said, Coach Satterfield, here, here's the other part about him. I love the philosophy. He, he calls the plays, as we know. He has an offensive coordinator, but he's going to be the guy calling the plays. It's collaborative, but at the same time, it's his decision. Um, he's got a philosophy that I really, really like. Um, now, he, he's able to adjust it based on personnel. So let's go back to last year. We had two very, very different quarterbacks. We had Ben Bryant, stay in the pocket, throw the ball down the field. We had Evan Prater, you know, I'll try to throw the ball down the field, but if I pressure, feel pressure, I'm going to get out, I'm going to run, I'm going to throw the ball on the run. Well, what Coach Satterfield, he wants to be able to do is to find that guy, okay, who's my one guy that's going to be that quarterback, and then I'll build that system around you. He was able to do that with Malik Cunningham at um, Louisville, but at the same time, Cunningham was hurt a bit, and he had other guys that were similar to Ben Bryant that had to stay in the pocket and throw the ball a little bit more that were maybe weren't quite as, quite as mobile. So I, I think they're going to be in really, really good shape there. The one thing that's so hard to judge right now, so f- first of all, um, when Coach Fickle left, horrible situation, um, you know, would have loved to have seen him stay, but, you know, nothing I say is going to change that. And now with the transfer portal, 
So many guys left. And you mentioned the wide receiver room before. Pretty much everybody that had been on that was still remaining at Cincinnati is a wideout after Tyler Scott and Trey Tucker and, and the two tight ends, um, Lenny, uh, Lenny Taylor and Josh Wiley. They're all gone, every one of them. Um, so that, and you add only 15 practices for spring ball, um, which is not many at all, it, it's so hard to really get a handle on it. And if you were at the spring game, and you mentioned you were, Brandon, you saw that it was situational. You know, there was, mm-hmm. there was uh, you know, backed up against our goal line. There was goal line plays. There was, it was, it was set up to be more of, okay, we're going to showcase everybody. We're going to give you a game, but we're going to do it in certain ways that really don't look like a game because these are situations that we're faced with when we get on the field, but it's not like we're starting at our own 20 and driving the length of the field every time. So, I mean, I, and, and to be honest, I think he did the right thing. He utilized that spring game as a showcase, but as a last practice. Um, and you saw what you have. You know, he has six quarterbacks. Last year, at the end of the year, there was three. Um, there's a seventh one coming in who's a preferred walk-on um, from Kings who's a very good young football player. But you look at those guys, and Emory Jones is the guy that's probably getting the bulk of the press uh, transferred in from Arizona State most most recently, but had also been in Florida, obviously Ben Bryant. Um, and people hear that Ben's in the transfer portal. They think he's transferring. He may. He's going to do what's best for him, but he doesn't necessarily mean he's leaving. Um, ben made no uh, if ands, or buts about it last year that he wanted to go to the NFL or at least get a shot. Um, that injury at the end of the year prevented him from doing that. So he's going to do whatever he can to try to get one more year. He has one more year of eligibility whether that's at Cincinnati or somewhere else. And um, I, I didn't look today. He may have committed somewhere, but I honestly, I think he might be back. I don't know. It's hard for me to say. I've not seen any, any news I haven't yet. seen anything either. And it, I'm guessing if it happens, we'll know. Um, same with Evan Prater. Um, his elbow was hurt during uh, spring. He really didn't get a chance to play. I don't know what he's yep. thinking. I know he wants to stay here. Um you know, whether that's uh, he gets a shot, I don't know. I mean, I think he looks at, uh, you know, uh, Malik Cunningham last year at, co- at quarterback at Louisville and says, I can do that, you know, and Coach Satterfield's here now. Whether that's what he believes, I don't know. It, but then you look at, you mentioned the wide receiver room again, and I'll, I'll kind of leave it at that. Each, each position took a hit as far as guys leaving, but each position also has new guys coming in. And that's, quite honestly, the wide receiver room now is full, okay? How good are they going to be? It's hard to say. It really is. Um, you know, the, 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 what I look at is the running backs. Those guys have been here um, for the most part. Um, you know, Ryan Montgomery's back. Um, you know, the guys that they had, they're, 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 uh, they're back. I think they're going to be fine. The offensive line somewhat solid. Uh, the receivers, we don't know. You know, if you get to the defensive line, very, very good. They've got a very, very solid group coming back. Linebackers are good. They got some transfers. They got some holdovers. Secondary needs some work. So, you know, and um, I lost a kicker, but retained a punter. Got a new kicker. He seems to be very, very good. So we'll see. Um, but 
I think this is the way college football is going to be. We could, without a coaching change, we could be sitting here saying the same things right now, year after year after year. Um, because unless the NCAA makes some changes in the transfer portal, meaning that, okay, you're granted one, but then you got to stay or you've got a petition, which is kind of what they're talking about, but I don't know if they can pull it off, then we're going to be dealing with this every year to some extent, maybe not to this extent with the coach leaving. So I don't know. It's, it's hard to say. They're going to be fine long-term. Playing in the Big 12 next year, I would, no offense to the American Conference, I would much rather play that schedule for, uh, you know, for nine games or eight games it would have been um, if you were in that. But now you got nine conference games and three non-conference games. One of your non-conference games is on the road at Pittsburgh, who's an, you know, yes. an AAC opponent who's, you know, pretty good. Um, so um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a year where uh, they're going to have to win some that they're probably not expected to win, and they're going to have to uh, win all those ones that they're expected to. But, you know, uh, it's where you want it to be. You know, you're power five now. Absolutely. It's where you want it to be. You know, you, 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 you're, you're talking about uh, some things that, I mean, perfect segue here. You know, one of the, the last questions I want to ask you here is, as you know, we head into the Big 12, we've got a you know, crazy schedule for, for the first time, and the, the non-conference, of course, Pitt. Uh, what, what do you think, how, how should Bearcats fans set their expectations for year one in the Big 12, for year one under Satterfield, and sort of going into the unknown, if you will? Good question. Um, you know, the, the one thing about the Big 12 schedule this year um, there's three teams on the schedule, conference games, that people are familiar with. One is UCF, they're, but they're good. One is Houston, they're good. Or two is Houston, they're good. And not really, haven't seen them in a few years, but uh, BYU as well. And they had down year last year, but they're, you know, year in and year out, they're pretty good. The, the, the ones that people don't know about are the traditional Big 12, you know, teams, uh, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, Texas Tech, um, Baylor, Kansas, Kansas State. And, and I guess you could throw West Virginia into one of those teams that we have seen before. But but they're now in the Big 12 for, what, seven, eight years? So they've gotten better. So um, yeah. it, it's it's a good conference. It's And honestly, and, and we don't even go into basketball right now, but in football, right. <laughs> in football, it's one of those things where, and, and I can't speak for this upcoming year. I don't know who's going to be the best. But last year, if you looked at it, it, any one of those teams could beat the other one. You know, Kansas State had that great year. Baylor had their typical good year. Oklahoma was a little bit down. Um, Oklahoma State was not great. Texas, which, of course, is leaving, and we don't play. Um, they, they weren't great last year. Um, but here's the thing. I look at the conference and where we were. Okay. So let's say we didn't get to uh, a new year's day six game, right? Okay. Where would we end up as the second place team in the American Birmingham, Annapolis. Yeah. Um, okay. So a six and six Oklahoma team played in the Alamo bowl. And I may have this reversed. It might've been Texas, a seven and five Texas team played down in Orlando. Um, in the Capital One Bowl. I mean, those, those are teams yeah. that were in the middle of the pack in the Big 12. 
and look at the bowl games you're getting to go to. Look what the Big 12 brings you. So, you know, long, that's a long way of saying I don't know. Um, I, this, I don't want to sound pessimistic, but 6-6 six and six would be great. And I say that only because of first year of a new coach and all of the turmoil that's gone on with the transfers, not to mention an upgraded schedule and, and playing in the Big 12 and throw in there Pittsburgh as a non-conference game. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take a game in uh, San Antonio or I'll take a game in Orlando, um, a bowl game, one of those bowl games. You know, and honestly, you know, if you look at Coach Satterfield, what he's been able to do um, when he was at Louisville, obviously he had a huge, huge success record at Appalachian State as well. You know, he's been able to put some teams together. So I just think it's, um, you know, first year t- moving into the Big 12 with all these changes, all these new players, and a limited spring schedule as far as number of practices. Um, you know, it, it, it's going to be a little bit tougher. You, you, you know, ask me September 1 after a month out at uh, higher ground, I'll have a better idea. All right. Well, hey, maybe that opens the door. Maybe we talk again Sounds good. after Camp Hire, uh, for sure. You know, I, I, I want to say I, I think I 100% agree with you. I, you, I, I don't think you want to fall too too far back. Uh, you don't want to lose so much momentum. And if I could, you know, not not throw shade here, you don't want to be like the basketball program and, you know, fall completely off off the grid and then fight and claw your way back, which I think we're doing. And I think we'll, I, I think I, we're going to, our expectations will have be to give Wes Miller credit, man. He is fighting and on paper, it's looking yes. good. Yeah. So I don't, you don't want to, you know, you don't want a hard reset, but I, I think if you can manage year one in the big 12 at, at 500 and, and get bowl eligible, I think that is, I'm that is you. where I will be. I'll be very, very happy with that year one and I give, I, you know you fall back a, a little bit right but you go with all everything considered you can you can still build off of a, a, a bowl game you get so many extra practices and the and the exposure and everything so I will certainly take six and six the, the first year in the big 12 under the new coach and everything so I, I, I certainly agree with you there last thing I want to ask about Jim and and maybe maybe you can settle all of the whispers and rumors and everything flying around Bearcat Nation on on our Discord, uh, on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram. If you're online, you're hearing these whispers. Can you give any insight to the apparel deal that everyone is anxiously <laughs> awaiting some sort of announcement? Well, as far as officially, no. Um, as an observer and somebody who's been in the apparel business for a while and watching um, some of the things that I saw in Coach Miller having the uh, Jumpman logo on his shirt and just kind of seeing a little bit more Nike than I used to, um, I can only say, and this is, I know that there's only, what is it, three schools that have the Jumpman for football. I know Michigan, North Carolina, and I don't remember the third. Um, is it UCLA? It might be. It might be. I don't know. I, well, I don't. I don't I there's don't a lot more basketball schools that do. Um, I would say it's leaning that direction. Um, I don't think your head basketball coach wears that unless um, unless there's something going on there. Um, I'm I'm told that it, the decision is coming, um, but I do know okay. um, the Letterman's golf outing was. 
two weeks ago, right right before Easter, right weekend of the spring game, yeah. and all of the lettermen were giving were given uh, Under Armour apparel with Big Twelve logos on it. But that's because the contract's okay. still okay. in effect. Not, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's a surplus right. somewhere. So I, uh, I don't that's, know. That's, if, if you're looking for fun. the official I, answer, it isn't me. <laughs> I had to ask. I thought maybe we'd have some some breaking news or something nope. that you could give us. Just kind of an observation on my part. I just think that's where it's leaning. Um, I could be totally wrong. Could be totally wrong. Jim, the, the very last thing uh, I want to ask you, you've been uh, gracious with your time and uh, amazing on the show, as always. Um, I know you, uh, we've, we talk plenty about craft beer whenever we talk, and uh, I know you uh, go out, you play different shows at breweries or different happenings around the city. Uh, and uh, let the, anyone know, do you have any shows coming up where people can come out and see you uh, play or or what's going on in that front for you? Well, let's see. The um, the one that I have most current coming up, uh, most kind of closest, it's a little bit different, though. Um, I've been playing at Streetside Brewing maybe every, every six weeks or so. I'm playing there this Sunday, but I'm playing there in the morning um, for the Flying Pig Marathon. So I will be, okay. I will be out on Eastern Avenue from about 8.30 till noon, um, kind of doing my classic rock and country. Um, and that would be this, uh, this Sunday, May 7th. Um, so, um, that's a good one, but it's a little bit different time. Now, you know, what's, the, what's the saying, Brandon, you, you can't drink all day if you don't start early. So <laughs> exactly, <laughs> come on out. I'll be there from eight 30 to noon. And then actually the following Friday, which would be the 13th, I'll be at the common brewing up in, uh, Com- common brewing company up in Mason, Ohio. Uh, from uh, okay. from seven thirty to eleven. So, uh, just again, I play uh, you know cl- acoustic classic rock type stuff, and I've got one coming up at Braxton um, over actually the Braxton Barrel House, the one in Fort Mitchell, or I think it's Fort Mitchell. But anyway, got those coming up. You can find my whole schedule at uh, jimkellymusic.com. Got a bunch coming up. Very nice. I, I will I will link that in the show notes. Uh, for this one, um, I, th- I think we'll, we'll leave it there, Jim. I certainly appreciate right. your time. Like I said, well, thanks for I will, having I will me. Certainly, absolutely, I'll definitely reach back out uh, after Camp High Ground and see what uh, what sort of the storylines are there. Um, for for listeners, uh, like I like I've promised, I will uh, continue to do weekly shows. Keep this thing moving. Uh, next week, if I am not mistaken. Uh, we will do another beer-focused episode. So, Jim, I don't know if, if you saw this a couple weeks ago. Uh, March 1st Brewing, they do the Astra Seltzers. And uh, my friend Kat and I, we sampled all 13 of them that they put in cans. Uh, so we're, we're going to do another beer-focused episode next week uh, here in the off-season to sort of supplement what we're, uh, what we're covering and I think the topic is, is, is pretty good. I'm not going to give any hints away. But uh, certainly if you're an IPA drinker in the city, you, uh, you might want to tune into this one because we'll be, we'll be debating some, some IPAs in the show. Well, fantastic. I love the fact that you incorporate uh, beer and sports. So it couldn't be any better. That's two of my favorites. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Uh, I, I will leave you guys with this as always. Jim, thank you. Cheers and go Bearcats.